And here we are once again, it's Andy Rouse of the Deep Share Podcast here with us on Local Listens. And if you're listening right now, I just want to thank you. It's been a great year so far with some great feedback. Hope you all enjoy. And before we start, I just want to quickly share with you guys, I am now offering my services for video editing. So if you are a podcaster or a business owner or have some kind of brand or you just want to make a cool reel or TikTok, hit me up, please. I'd be happy to help you. And you can find all of my current work on Instagram at LocoListens. But now back to the episode. All right, there he is, Sir Andy Rouse. Welcome back, man. How's it going today? Dude, not too bad, man. How's it been? It's been great, dude. Uh, I know we both took a break from podcasting and uh, much needed break to focus on stuff. But, you know, it's great to be back. And I know that uh, it's going to be an exciting year for both of us. And for people who uh, don't know, tell us about the Deep Share podcast. Tell us about what, what you've been up to. Um, how have you been, man? Sure. Sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. I didn't realize you took a break too. That's awesome, man. I mean, a lot of us I've, I've heard that from recently. It's just this time of year, you know, everybody Absolutely. needed to kind of be with family or do their thing, you know? Yeah. Decompression is good, but uh, yeah, the deep share podcast is coming back first uh, of February and I got some killer interviews coming up and uh, I think I'm going to switch the show up a little bit. Traditionally it's been purely interview based, you know, I mean, Obviously, I've had a lot of podcaster friends come on and mm -hmm. shoot the shit most of the time. That's honestly some of the most productive conversations right there anyway. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, consciousness, ancient history, you know, all the mysteries. That's kind of my jam always has been. And that's what it will continue to be no matter what, what the show does. So, yeah. Awesome, man. Glad to have you back. And I, I want to quickly uh, touch on that ancient history, uh, especially how it propagates in our uh, modern culture it, with things like game of thrones i know you would Ooh. gone back to rewatch game of thrones at a certain point because last time that we that we spoke was sometime in the spring maybe like early summer 2022 yeah. i know it's been a while but did you end up going back to rewatch the entire series and you know like what are some takeaways some things that stuck out to you this second time around that maybe uh you have overlooked first time around so, well, the first time I watched the show, I mean, when you think about like season one, I don't even know what year that aired, but I probably watched it the same year it aired and mm. then it turned me on to the books and then I went from there. Um, but, you know, even though I was, I guess you could say like psychedelically kind of awake back then, I was also like heavily repressing a lot of it because there was no good community around to like mm. have these kind of conversations, at least from where I was, I was just mostly just reading dead guys in, in bookstores. So um, a lot of it, I just kind of like ignored, but psychedelically I was kind of awake to these kind of themes and everything. And um, wow. I forgot where I was going. It is early. <laughs> <laughs> what were we talking about again? So um, I asked you about game of Thrones and it's kind of funny gotcha. that you bring yeah. up like a psychedelic perspective because you know, yeah, some yeah. people get a little, um, well, like if you consider like giants in the deep northern tundra, like that's a very psychedelic idea. Ancient mm. civilization that has dragons. That's a very psychedelic idea because it's so far beyond what we see in this 3D here and now. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, being psychedelically awake and like starting to question everything, you know, it's been years and now going back like all these years later to watch um watch the first season at least i didn't get through the whole series mm -hmm. but the first season um 
it was pretty wild to see all the connections, not only to like Tolkien's philosophies, mm -hmm. but then to allude to what Tolkien was talking about as well. This commonality of uh, this kind of hidden history behind everything and it all having to do with no the North and, uh, you know, uh, how do you say, like basically like the old Germanic, European, Scandinavian folklore, things like that. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I got out of it. Just watching the first season, I couldn't do the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. It had honestly hadn't been long enough, I don't think. And I'm still kind of pissed that George R. R. Martin has put out like side quests and fucking yeah, produces yeah. all these new shows, but still hasn't, you know, put out The Winds of Winter, which is the sixth book. So, you know, it's kind of just rude <laughs> and i i'm i'll boycott it for now <laughs> as greta thurnberg might say how dare you <laughs> how dare you <laughs> i want to ask you something uh similar because you brought up some uh germanic ideas and uh you know there's been a lot of talk um especially from your show and from the people that you've been interacting with about the box saga and it was really cool you were the one to introduce me to that and i got my uh, copy of the box saga right down there and I nice. got to dig through. It's pretty cool. I've been loving uh, this study of etymology, especially. Um, but I want to ask you something else too, like in that same vein, I really like looking back on the historical shift and you could call it by many names. You could say um, the shift from pagan culture to Christian culture or from the shift of uh, nature and pan from, you know, christ and hierarchy uh what mm -hmm. do you think about those shifts those cultural shifts and how they're still playing out today i think there's a lot of different angles we could look at or maybe different scales you know one scale would be divide and conquer you know because i do see this as kind of like a it's like a, a philosophical difference mm. in ideologies and I think it's rooted from the we're all from the same family. So I think at some point this the the ruling class that kind of held pure order perhaps was broken apart at one point and kind of divided in a way. And it, I think it was an ideological divide originally, but it's probably turned into a million other things since then, mm -hmm. of course. But that's one way to look at it, like divide and conquer these two different ideologies. Another way would be um kind of the analogy in like famous writings and stories like the prodigal son returning um the hero's adventure or hero's journey as some know it as from jo uh, joseph campbell the idea of the young person having a new idea and breaking away from the old idea right and he goes off into the world he's mostly proven wrong over and over mm. again and eventually has to return home but then it's like a convergence of the old and the new at that point i don't know it's alchemical in a way where it's like these we're, we're in this world of opposites here in the in the physical material world so we can't really avoid it so i think there's a lot that um say religion can give us and there's a lot that the perennial philosophy or paganism heathenism can give us um it honestly doesn't really matter on that scale at least which one came first or which was right or wrong like none of that it's kind of like these are aspects of our consciousness that 
clearly have been addressed over and over again in a multitude of ways from different perspectives for thousands of years. So they're not fake or not illogical. They're part of it, regardless of what you think of one or the other. And that's, yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. That kind of takes us away from that tunnel vision that could be uh, engineered by any particular culture. It's cool to recognize, uh, you know, the multifaceted um, aspects of not only the history of our culture, of our current culture, but also like the the origins. Like you said, there's no need to argue uh, which came first or what is the one true way. It's just we're seeing so many different like uh, convergence. And it's really right. interesting that you bring up uh I want to say travel because travel as the alchemical process, I know Terrence McKenna would talk about, uh, you know, the inner travel is a quest to bring something back. You pull something back from that experience as like a gift to the rest of your tribe, your world, your community. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, after studying the box saga a lot and getting into different historical narratives, uh, what is something that you feel like you brought back that helps in your own in your own conception of reality or in the way that you think about what's going on now um what do you think about all that i think the box saga gave me uh like not it wasn't something new but it was like a flashback and a renewal of a feeling that i knew was legitimate and of course it harkens back to psychedelic experience where it's like something is so uncomplicated yet so complex but so simple at the same time and so straightforward and fits all the right criteria that not to say that like the box saga is a thousand percent right or or it's never been messed with or whatever it's just the the some of the big ideas in box saga directly correlate or parallel that feeling of certainty that Mm. gnosis and um that's kind of allowed me to run with it a little bit here and there enough to see where i can kind of suss out some of the bullshit behind some of the other areas of study i guess that's a little hard to explain but i guess simplifying everything and Occam's razor being a a key thing, you know, Uh, and it doesn't always work. Things are complex and things are complicated. Uh, What I kind of have put together from the box saga and history and folklore so far in my journey um, is extremely simplified, but really nuanced. And it takes a lot to explain sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's cool that you bring up Gnosis because it's uh, it's a very universal concept. You know, you could be working with uh, ancient Sufi traditions to reach Gnosis. You could be looking at uh, Celtic folk tales, whatever it might be. It's uh, just this this path that converges on Gnosis. And it's really cool to think about that. And before I like there's a lot I want to ask you, Andy, but cool, uh, man. I just gotta I gotta um, tell you that uh, last night. I fell asleep watching The Northman. I've never seen the entire movie. I got through like the intro, right? Have you mm. seen the entire film? I have not seen any of it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, going in with think, fresh eyes here. Think, uh, you know, I've only seen the first 30 minutes. Just think like Lion King, like Simba loses his father and then he has to go out and uh, avenge him. And it's uh, it's mm. set up really cool. Uh there's an interesting ritual in the beginning of the film that has to do with a father and a son. And they're like, 
they're going into this initiation. And if you ever watch it, I'd love to discuss it some other time. I'll probably go back and finish it later tonight. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, I feel like it'd be right up your your alley. And uh, other uh, things that you've been posting on, because it's really cool that, you know, I appreciate, you know, we were kind of joking before we hit record that you may have taken a break from podcasting, but you have not taken a break from shit posting. And it's, right. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily that you're posting shit. Like, let me be clear. Like you're, uh, you're, you're posting your, um, shameless, uh, you know, unfiltered views on what's yeah. happening or what you've been seeing. And it's, it's cool that in the recent, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a zeitgeist in the recent yeah, cultural narrative, mm. uh, Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock have taken center stage rightfully so i think they've been putting forth a lot of interesting ideas but that's not to say i agree with everything or i can even prove what they're talking about but what do you think about this ancient apocalypse and how it's kind of Mm. um bashed into the uh narrative right now in this culture it's it's weird it's a weird feeling but i feel like we've we keep getting these weird feelings over and over again and it reminds me of when i was younger when suddenly like the metal bands that i was listening to were suddenly on mtv Mm. and it wasn't because suddenly everybody was getting wise to how badass underground death metal was or something no it's because suddenly this band that i love didn't sound the same anymore right that's usually how it went and it's not that I'm, and I'm not suggesting Graham or Randall or anyone in their field has like changed their views or anything like that's it's a not a direct comparison, but just the loose comparison that something's a little fishy when things are allowed to become extremely popular. Yeah. And right now, everything alternative is extremely popular. We may feel like we're in like some little niche corner. It at least has to be debunked everywhere. Mm. it's not it's no longer just for skeptic magazine you know it's everywhere it's a topic whether it's for or against it doesn't matter and that's the essence of divide and conquer controlled opposition so what are they what so where my mind goes is what would they hypothetically be trying to tell us or want us to be constantly thinking about and paying our attention to Mm. if this is if this is part of it, if our underground kind of underdog heroes now are getting the attention they've long deserved, because I mean, I feel that way. I've loved these guys for a long yeah. time. You know, yeah. I knew Randall Carlson's name before I saw him on Joe Rogan because I was reading freaking Hancock's books and shit. Right. You know, yeah. I love these guys, but I also remember what Randall jumped on about the, the guidestones. And I, you don't even need to be all the way super tinfoil hat to look at the guidestones with a critical eye and go, well, what the fuck was this about? Mm. Okay, private citizen, yada, yada. Was it real? Oh, no, it wasn't just a private citizen. How about that? All these little connections. And it's like, what do you want to do with that? How do you escape that? And then you got people like Annie XT. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that name, but he's another really really smart guy, really adventurous guy. He's had a great YouTube channel for a long time, but he's one of these, you know, ancient mystery or should I say suppressed ancient knowledge kind of headline people. And they kind of have defended the Guidestones when they got, you know, attacked. Hmm. Um, It was this big thing where, 
it's just like expressing what we express all the time, but with no nuance. It's like suggesting that this is this is precious hidden history and and these people are trying to destroy it. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. And he's and Annie Exe directly compared the Guidestones to Giza and uh, and Baalbek and other ancient sites with the same and he had to go back on that of course and say things like well no i just meant with like you know regarding the same reverence and preservation yeah and the and randall defended him like personally like Mm. went on record felt it necessary i mean it was in a podcast but it was still clipped and put everywhere right to defend this guidestones and you know you can't really look the other way whether it's a real threat to humanity or one put there on purpose to scare the shit out of everyone on purpose. Mm. Either way, it's a psyop and it's either way, it's a bad thing. And to defend it as if it's some piece of, you know, important. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going off. (laughs) I love it. I love it. No, this is a a really, I mean, especially how do you reconcile? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I agree. Like history should be preserved. Like when we saw statues coming down in 2020, I was like, this doesn't seem right. This seems like uh, right. the opposite of what we should do. But at sure. the same time, I could see why, you know, um, someone like Randall, who is he is one of those guys that he's been able to uncover or, you know, look critically at a historical narrative that most people are maybe too afraid to even look into to even consider. And I guidestones aside because that's uh that's yes a whole that is podcast, a t- i didn't so get yeah. to finish the whole my whole take on them in general okay. i just went off on the guidestones it's all right about. yeah <laughs> yeah but um they're they're like what i th- generally think of it coming out is that something is being told to us mm-hmm. regarding that and i think it's being framed in a very frightening way they're and they're not the only ones you know i've had a number of people on my show that have their books out and the conclusion is that we're going to get hit again. We're going to get hit again. We're going to get it. And it's like, well, we don't, I mean, there's a lot of theories around surrounding that shit and there's, you know, it's not just comet impacts or anything. It's a whole catastrophe, you know, section of the library. You'd say. So I don't know. Is it being pushed on us because it's like a, a fear thing? Like, I don't know. I really don't know. Is it honest? And then again, I also have to, I would like to to note this, that in my opinion, controlled opposition has a lot more to do with subject matter than it does individuals. Mm. Not to say that, you know, I mean, I know it's Randall behind the math and I know it's, it's these people behind these theories for the most part, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a conundrum for me right now because I, I tend to think that the truth lies more in ignoring everything that is being told to you about the world around you for the most part. But I don't know. It's, it's a constant Pandora's box. Yeah, exactly. There's so many different ways that our attention can be drawn like in so many different directions. And it's uh, sometimes I think you're absolutely correct. We have to kind of forget everything or ignore everything and kind of like look, look for ourselves. And there's another kind of, this might be the perfect segue because if we're thinking about ancient history, um, that also includes ancient folk tales and uh, creatures, for lack of a better term. And I saw this cool video you posted from Bill Donahue. He talked about, you know, we have to let we have to release this kindergarten mindset. He was talking about angels, how 
they're no one can be no one's going to be able to prove that they're uh entities with wings that fly around uh the angel is within you it's that that voice that jiminy cricket that guides you that intuitive feeling and it's cool that he brings up this kindergarten mindset and that starts to put into question all these folk tales i mean they're all exciting stories and they have um really flavored historical narratives and cultural paradigms but maybe we're approaching them the wrong way and maybe um our ideas of the supernatural um aren't as mythical as we think maybe they're really just part of who we are and i was wondering if you wanted to start to get into this idea that you shared with me a couple of days ago about rehumanizing antiquity and it seems like a really cool yeah. concept i know you're really excited to get into it um how would you like yeah, to start? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's a really nuanced thing to talk about because at first it's going to sound like I'm ruling out or ridiculing even basically all spiritual experience in a way. And I'm absolutely not because I've had those experiences myself and I've had to redefine everything myself as well. Mm -hmm. The only thing is I've had a voice forever saying keep questioning, keep questioning, keep questioning, because like everything has been so convenient for the past 15, 20 years of researching, at least from that perspective, from the psychedelic, what is reality? What is everything kind of perspective? It's been like 20 years of looking into every different category you can imagine and coming out the other side and still remaining in that Occam's razor mentality of mm. keep questioning, condensing, simplifying not reducing but simplifying you know yeah. down to its primary form everything i could find and the box saga again gave me a big leg up with this whether again if it's completely true or just hints at certain things the box saga merely opened the door for me what's more drawn attention to my studies is the uh irish folklore scottish folklore english folklore all that germanic folklore in general um it's kind of shown me that this is a spiritual and historical kind of thing that's happened to us. And whether it's entirely nefarious and intentional or only partially, and part of it's just natural game of telephone in a way, that could be. Mm -hmm. But what's happening is, it seems to me anyway, that who we are on a macro scale is our history. On a micro scale, it's it's who we are in inside that's our spirituality we know that the powers that be quote unquote they always try to take our power from us and try to reduce it down and pretend it doesn't exist and it's somewhere else so the way they do that is they keep us as orphans in the world through our history hmm. while hijacking that that history not by necessarily throwing it away or setting it on fire and burning it into nothingness, but to literally use it as a way to harness our spirituality. Hmm. It's getting two birds stoned at once, man. Yeah. As I like to say, hmm. it's, it's literally twisting real ancient history. So we don't know our origins, but selling us on a fake origin through spirituality which again is taken away from us and given away to other entities when really what this comes down to is our framing of reality itself mm. and consciousness. 
a debate that we still have going on, of course, endlessly. But for those of us, I think some of us out there who have eyes to see in that direction, it's everything is consciousness. Everything. This is all part of consciousness. And so there is no outside. There is no inside. There is no other when it really comes down to it. And a lot of people say, well, I'm not talking about that scale. Well, you have to, because we're talking about spiritual teachings and spiritual books and things that literally affect the core of our being, not some flagrant fucking political scandal. This is the core of it all. So you have to talk about that scale because they're literally taking the concept of unity away right now. They're trying to harness it into a digital utopia, right? They're trying to take those real concepts, plaster them further and further and further into the material understanding of reality, because that takes us not that the material reality is not real, but it takes us further and further away from our source, further away from our, our true essence. And that's a lot to take in. I know. (laughs) Well said though. I mean, the, the problems of the physical reality, like I can give you an example. You've probably been seeing people, um, jokingly but also i mean uh, some people are taking this very seriously jokingly posting about how gas stoves are going to be banned and that people are like well you can't take it from me you know come and get come and get it my stove yeah and for the the people who are worried about this it's pushing them down into that fight or flight sort of um operation of their nervous system they're not able to think about the oceanic consciousness and our ancient origins because they're so focused on just eating and surviving and that's tragic but it's a perfect example of you know what pulls us away and for for people who want to um do their own research and look into it themselves could you um i would love for you to clarify because this is a really interesting story that i feel like you know we're just getting started with and if you could point to what what do you consider to be kind of like the fake narrative that we've been given as far as history. And then like, how do you see your, your personal perspective shifting to a different story or some other approach? Could you clarify that? Sure. Currently we have a lot of narratives popping up in alternative history. And so you look at the entire UFO community as a part of this as well. They're kind of on the outskirts because we all look at them like you're just desperately listening to the government over and over again. But that's not the whole group of them. Right. But everybody has, you know, experiencers have their experiences, me included. I've seen shit in the sky and I've had my weird, you know, interactions in consciousness. Um, so we have mostly this narrative that it can be cut and dry as these interdimensional beings are coming in, or we have aliens from other planets coming in, or we have aliens that have, you know, that landed here millions of years ago and they've been among us all along, but it's always alien, right? It always has to be other, always has to be other. Um, so that's a big problem, but we won't get into the problem yet. But so that's mainly the concern I have because we're, we're upgrading our terms, nothing more, right? We're, we're trading the old PSYOP for the new PSYOP. And that digs in even harder. It's a little easier to attack the UFO community than it is to attack the religious community. I'm not trying to attack anybody, but yeah, all of the religious side of it is the same. You know, we look at ancient history. They're trying to call it ancient aliens now, but it was still, it's just changing the vocabulary 
from one supernatural thing to another in a way, you know, it's something that we're not able to prove. It's something otherworldly. It's something outside of our human experience, but either way, it's the same kind of thing. It's just an upgrade to contemporary terms. Hmm. In my opinion, a lot of the ancient spiritual knowledge that I've, I've seen and, and read that resonates with conscious experiences is just the primitive version of what people say about simulation hypothesis, mm. right? I mean, these are just upgrades to our contemporary understanding. Regardless, to me, it's all psyop and it's pushed and allowed. I mean, when it comes to the way religion was pushed, especially westernized religion with gods and things like that, even the way they view and teach paganism as that they had pagan gods and that they worshipped gods. That's not true either, hmm. but that's the way they framed even the ones they, they don't believe in anymore. So it's all <laughs> part of the same structure being pushed. And now we see on the UFO side, it's being pushed hard and it is being drug out hard. Hmm. So, you know, the report that was supposed to come out in October just dropped the other day and it's a big nothing burger again of Just course like last year <laughs> that's all they're ever going to do and it's they're begging the ufo community to stop relying on them but they just keep begging for it you know mm. because they want their little green men that we've been completely immersed in for a hundred years of cinema and literature you know yeah I and feel it like it's safe to say at, at this point it has become a new religion oh yes and it does go back to the 1800s, you know, the, the UFO mythology, not the myth. I mean, I shouldn't say UFO mythology because I've seen UFOs. Yeah. I've absolutely seen the, the UFO reality <laughs> um, or a breakaway civilization. We yeah. can get into that. Yeah, That's yeah. my other theory that mm -hmm. there it could be something along those lines, but at, I do believe it's human. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that to me is the narrative that is out there right now. One way or the other, either it's a religious thing, an interdimensional thing, or an alien thing. And man, the interdimensional one and the CE5 stuff really, really is a great way for them to corral a great group of people, mm -hmm. right? It corrals a lot of people that think exactly like us and are us. Like, I love a lot of the CE5 material throughout the years, you know? It's fascinating, it's yeah. got me into things, you know, because it's always truth layered in bullshit. Hmm. There's always layers, my friend. There's always layers. and But they have to put the truth there, otherwise we wouldn't be attracted to it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a perfect example. Again, this is coming from me just looking at your your Instagram, your Facebook, sure. your posts. And it's, uh, it's convenient because it's playing into these... Uh, multi perspective like these multifaceted perspectives you know it could be um something mystical it could be something human and uh we're trying to suss out the the details within all these layers and one was about the concept of elves and how uh when you look at elves and the history of um ireland that maybe these weren't mystical creatures like we've been led to believe even though it's fascinating and interesting and i love the elves and Lord of the Rings, they're like my favorite, but mm -hmm. really this was more of like a historical uh, term for conquest or for invasion. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Well, the term elf or elven, specifically elven, if you follow the etymology, literally just means white. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that pops up over and over and over again. Uh, what I meant by maybe invasion or conquest, more like just describing the people who did those things. Yeah. Um, from the northern regions. Um, and this is this is stuff I'm putting together after interviewing a bunch of different authors who have had their niches and they've explored those niches relentlessly, you know. And the one that has hit home with me the most is Ireland and Scotland. This is where you know, my heritage is and um, yeah, looking into folklore and keep in mind my first mushroom experience, I literally felt like I was in one of those psychedelic gnome friggin' uh, <laughs> mushroom posters that you'd find at like hot topic 20 years ago. Yeah. Like I was immersed in that world. So I understand all of it and I'm not taking it away from it from anyone or trying to. Um, but we have to separate our experiences from the language that we're given to describe our experiences. Um, and this took, this actually was a, a shift in the 1800s. Um, a man named McDonald, I can't remember his first name. I could pull it up, but um, he was like a predecessor of, um, of Lewis Carroll. Mm. And he basically was the first author, at least popularly to use the term portal or porthole. Yeah, yeah. To describe a doorway to a magical place. Before then, there is no use of that term being used in a mystical way, hmm. other than metaphorically, and the metaphor is on its nose. It's like right there, it's on purpose, it's obvious. So we can expand on that by saying that most of the writing of Irish and Scottish and, and English folklore in the 1800s was starting to gear it towards that direction into the fairy lands and things like that. And all these mystical experiences, mixing it with another thing that was a coming of age thing, which was psychedelic popularization. Mm. This happened in the 1800s. We knew that this was going on. Like Wasson was late to the game. Like in the fifties, man, like the 1800s, we knew that we were interacting with all these, all these tribes. Everyone knew that this, these practices were going on. So these narratives were coming together. Mm. This psychedelic narrative where a lot of convenient spiritual experience comes from and the history that was there that wasn't supposed to be there because in the 1700s and before that you can look back at historians with primary sources and they all consider it was popular understanding that most of Irish folklore was kind of a declaration of how the eerie began mm. and, and what the tribes were like back then that these were descriptions of real people you know, that we have the story of the Twatha de Danann coming to Ireland, the Irish shores in flaming ships in the sky. And of course, people run wild with that. And that's a similar story to a number of other cases. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that these these traveling people would burn some of their ships to discourage cowards from turning away from battle, because when they were there, they were there for good. They were setting up shop to make other ships yeah. years later, you know, if they mm. were going elsewhere, they had massive fleets. These are the sea people that everyone keeps alluding to that we don't quite put our finger on, you know, mm. But we can go everywhere with this. I mean, bring bring on some more. Yeah, <laughs> this uh, that's is my the exciting part, man. That's the exciting part. Yeah, because I mean, one thread of historical narrative can be picked apart and looked at in so many different angles, and then you you 
can realize that, you know, the same um, methodology, the same perspective that you can take on, was it mystical? Was it another metaphor for reality? And the, the, the portal, the, the porthole was really interesting because I'm sure most people may have thought of uh, Narnia in that same way. Like, and I'll put that aside for a second because I want to go to a completely different side of this globe or this plane or whatever. Um, I say that unironically. Yeah. This, (laughs) this realm, perhaps the most mysterious area of this entire place is Antarctica. And I saw you post about mid journey and people know that this is the AI image generator and that's fun to talk about, but I saw that perhaps these were, I don't know if they were actually um, images from that, that website, from that program, or I don't know where they came from. Maybe you can fill me in, but I was seeing um, pyramids, statues, structures in supposedly the Antarctic region. And I would love for you to un- unpack this for me because uh, this is one of my favorite topics that I think it's, it's the most mysterious, I think. It's hard to really grasp for myself. Well, this is a really interesting one because it leads me into all all sorts of different places and it includes controlled opposition and and this narrative that we're talking about, of course. And it also does leave leave, you know, some questions about Box Saga mm-hmm. and, and not just Box Saga, but the North in general and this old pagan history that that has been expunged from history. Um, because, of course, Antarctica is our southernmost point and they love to rub inversion in our face, <laughs> you know, just like the box saga describes hell as this place in the North, which I mean, the term even means completion, home, heaven. Mm-hmm. Yet what we, what do we do with it? And of course it's a frozen place basically up in the totally North. Yet it's, yeah. yeah. It's all inverted. So it's interesting when we get all these stories about Antarctica, uh, not to branch off too far uh, from mid journey, but just to, just to, to give a, another clarification about Antarctica, this whole, Something popped up recently with um, Admiral Byrd and uh, High Jump. And High Jump's fascinating when it comes to whatever the fuck the Nazis were doing. You know, the Aryans, them white people. <laughs> so keep that in mind when we're thinking box saga. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. The actual information about High Jump and what happened down there. And it was probably a big fucking war mission with the Nazis and everything. But when it comes to his secret journal that his son supposedly uh, released and everything, the flight, all the flight information, every log matches identically to the public facing high jump logs that mm-hmm. have to be reported. Right. Mm-hmm. Even engine problems at the same exact times, all these time signatures line up. So right there, that's extremely suspicious. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, on top of that, the description of the flight and where they are in this secret journal is about the North Pole. It's not about Antarctica yet. High jump takes place in Antarctica. And that's where this journal is supposedly taking place to everybody that's talking about it. So that is a really interesting case. First of all, if it's all fake and it's not about high jump and it has nothing to do with Admiral bird and it wasn't real, there was no inner earth shit. Why that particular narrative, why Aryans underground, why is this always the narrative? It's always right back to what we're talking about in folklore all the way over to the Persian Gulf with the Anunnaki or the Twatha Day Anu in uh, Armenia, which connects the Ireland story to the right. Anunnaki story. These are all white 
travelers with blue eyes, red blonde hair. It's it's too much, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's circle back really quick. How does one yes. discover for themselves that you know Operation High Jump was actually going to the North Pole and not the South Pole? How does one come to that Wait, conclusion? No, 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 no. So High Jump was Antarctica. Okay. And they, all all the okay. official documentation and everything that happened, yeah. even the suspicious parts that they're not saying anything, but we all think Nazis. But the all flight. of that is public facing knowledge. The yeah. flight logs, everything. But this journal, this secret diary, that's it. Yeah. That everyone associates with high jump and Antarctica, because that's the that's the convenient thing. Right. It was like 30 days later, the Antarctic Treaty was signed when this mm-hmm. diary hit the shelves and started making tons of money. Asterisk. <laughs> that journal was talking about north. It was mm. the north. It was the Arctic zone. Got you. Got you. Okay. So, that's the, so one, this is proving to someone out there. Look at these people. They're just associating with Antarctica because we've led them into Antarctica as this big secret, which it still can be, obviously, but not the secret about Aryans and, and all this uh, proto Ariana philosophy and stuff like that. Mm. That comes out of the north. And it's interesting that that narrative is put out there, even though we took it the wrong way. It's interesting that it's just there. Hmm. I want to hear you uh, speak about oh, mid journey. Back to mid journey. Really My quick bad. though, really quick. I just have to get this out there because I didn't plan on. Well, this idea just came to me while you were sure. speaking. But there's etymological similarity. Um, you know, Lucifer and Araman and Araman and Arian. And I'm just curious if you have any uh, thoughts on that particular thread. Araman, Arian. Most of any words that have to do with satanic, satanism, Luciferian, like you're going to find this in the old heathen pagan language, regardless. It's always going to be there Um, as how we frame it. Whether we trust the Catholic Church in our contemporary conspiracy theory minds or not, we tend to believe them wholeheartedly when it comes to paganism and heathenism because of what the elites put out there. Right. No, that's kind of what I got to say. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. It's like, <laughs> when will we learn? <laughs> yeah. Well, think about it. The uh, sensitive issue out there that mm-hmm. we won't really get into, um, you know, everybody ends up or not everybody, but some people end up blaming a certain group and right. then, oh, they are just done. They're yeah, they're okay. just completely shut off. And, yeah. oh, there's all the evidence and everything, you know, mm. it's, it's kind of similar. You know, it's like yeah. you start talking about it and it it's like. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's it's too complicated, really. To yeah, <laughs> lots of speculation, but you know, tons of fun, n- nevertheless. But so, anyway, um, mid journey. Yeah, artificial intelligence generating images. Uh, yes. It's something that's fairly new, and our uh, well, our access to it is fairly new. I'm sure it's been around for quite a while. It's probably been around think? for. Yeah. Well, yeah. some people yeah. would say it's been around for like decades, and they've been doing it to us forever, and everybody's fake out there, and everything we see on film and. I won't go that far, but I will say that they're absolutely, and it, it may not be they, I mean, I don't know anybody from my own life. That's that much of a narcissist, horrible human being that they would purposely put out fake images. Oh, what am I saying? People are assholes. So whether it's they or just some random douchebag using mid, mid, mid journey, mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, images of Antarctica that came out, about um 
what was it? I can't remember his name. It was it Kelly. I can't, I'll, I'll pull it up, but it's this, um, actual journey that took place, this, uh, expedition that took place to Antarctica in like 1908. And, um, there's hundreds and hundreds of pictures of that, of that experience. It shows, melted areas it shows mountains you know everything you can imagine that people would say they're hiding from us down there but what it does not show and it's completely different uh um, resolution and image quality are pyramids and mass you know ancient grave sites and monuments and things like that and random you know uh faceless researchers looking at said things and, and that's the thing ai especially these mid-journey type art generators they have a real hard time with human faces they're getting a lot better at it but when it comes to random generation when they're putting things together it seems like they have a real problem with it and things get misplaced and if you're not looking close enough you might miss it but if you look close it's like wait structurally that doesn't that would fall down like that doesn't none of this makes sense like mm -hmm. it's fake it's it's thrown together by something that does not know the background from the foreground mm -hmm. still in my opinion to some degree at least um but some of those images were actually found on mid journeys like advertising front page uh they're not there anymore but they, they were up for a while of what you can do to manipulate black and white and this and that and so when I started seeing these pop up, I'm like, this is the telltale sign. They did it with, with Roswell just a few weeks earlier. Mm. And it's like one of these crash site pictures has a UFO floating above people, <laughs> like in the picture. What the fuck is going on here? Like, so it's just so obvious that this is fake. And, you know, I've just taken it upon my asshole self to start calling out random accounts that are way bigger than me that are pushing this shit over and over and over again. And not to say that they're horrible people, but wake up, yeah, pay attention. Yeah. You can't stand for paying attention and doing the research when you're not paying attention and not doing the research and just posting everything for the grift. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and that happens more than everything. Or, you know, they're fucking hawking chalk pills or something yeah right, the body right, right. can't heal itself oh god yeah that's an, another fun rabbit hole i just shots fired you, uh, deplorable <laughs> janet about that yeah it's, it's like they'll try to sell you anything just to you know um push you to forget about how powerful you are how exactly. how capable you are um just in your own physical body and you know it's interesting too because part of you know some people do uh podcast shows or write books for a number of different reasons and it's cool that, you know, you, you can consider who you're speaking to or like who you hope to reach out to. And it's it's fascinating because, you know, sometimes, I, you know, I just do this show because I like to talk about these things and there's other people who like to talk about them. Whoever wants to listen, it's great. But it's also interesting to consider that if you're uh, looking carefully and you're being um, intelligently selective about what you promote, what you put forth, uh, you could be helping people who don't know any better to not be led astray and that you're you're really um if you're gonna challenge or call out people who are uh maybe putting people on the wrong path then i think you're doing a good thing by speaking out and being like hey you know 
this is a cool idea, but you know, I wouldn't fully accept it as gospel. Here's an, another way to look at something. And it's yeah. Cool. And I'm trying kinda... to be very nice about it. You are. And, yeah. But wow. for the most part, I'm trying to, but you know, in some cases it's frustrating when I kind of get responded to as if I'm talking to some normie friend who's denied everything like everybody has the past few years. Right. Mm. That really frustrating conversation that you end up having with people. Oh yeah. It's ha- it happens to me in this community a lot because I point things out. It's like, stop ruining it. It's like, stop <laughs> ruining what? Like what? A- it's almost as if we were hoping and it's a good hope. It's a good intention. We hope and we wish that we were all in this big cohesive group that understood i think for the most part where it really counts and i said this the other day to my buddy um drew um that we at our core i think in this big broad podcasting community itself it's kind of already an fu to the mainstream it's already a we're going to do this ourselves we don't need mm. a boss kind of attitude decentralized and that's, a good, that's a good start anyway but that's I, i'd say that's where it ends you know mm-hmm. um and it's hard because I think a lot of people have held on to that. Like this is their saving grace, this community, mm. me included in a lot of ways. Um, we're not all going to see eye to eye. And, 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 but, but the more, again, the more we continue to question and not, not collapse on any conclusions, because I feel like the nature, the answers are in uh, whatever's behind the next little nugget of, of information. You know, mm. it's not the piece of information itself. It's a trail of breadcrumbs. Sense. Yeah. Always yeah. a trail of breadcrumbs, but it's kind of in how, how all the, <laughs> I'm trying to make an analogy out of it. Whatever. It's how the breadcrumbs make you feel. Well, speaking of bread, dude, I mean like the word companion is like those who you share bread with like, yeah. and it's, it's cool because you know, the friends that I've been making in the podcast world, um, they've been people who are, you know, w- what I want to say is that it's, this kind of community that invites discussion, debate, uh, usually friendly debate. You know, I've yes. seen it go out of hand, which is fine. That's uh, 99% of the time. It's amazing. 99%. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to sound too ironic saying this, but it's something that just popped in. And whenever you have these ideas, just share them. If that's anything I've ever learned, if <laughs> yeah. I if I listen back to this this episode, like 45 years from now, I'll be like, yep, I'm glad I just said what was on my what was on my mind. So I think what what we've been doing and, you know, what a lot of people have been doing with these stories, with these um, rabbit holes, if you will, is that they're making conspiracy fun again. And that's what I want to <laughs> like stick to uh, at the same time, though, whenever we have like I know in a couple of days, the World Economic Forum is going to be meeting. And Russell Brand did a really good video about the WEF is like the WWE and it's like they're having like a Smackdown versus Raw and. <laughs> Yeah, also they all really want did. us to fucking pay attention to it. Yeah, exactly. They're putting on this like wrestling match for us. Um, but, you know, all that aside, Andy, what do you think as we wrap up? What is the best case scenario? Because some of the things that we've talked about, we haven't said it yet, but we're implying that there's some kind of process of disclosure, per- perhaps. Mm. And what do you see being the best case scenario if um, things continue in the way that you would like them to go? Oh, then if it continues the way it will go that I want it to go, then we, the people will be bringing disclosure to the government Mm. and it won't be what they want us to think it is. That's kind of the overarching thing for me. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're gonna to it's kind of a race to the finish line but it's either that or they're never going to come out with it with anything you know everybody yells project blue beam or this or that and there's some interesting theories behind those scenarios mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like uh this nothing burger uh repetitive release is kind of doing the trick already mm-hmm. for whatever they're trying to do It's just roping in more and more people having this very subverted trust in the government all over again. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a very large popular contingency of free thinking, quote unquote, critical thinking people that got re-swept into the the norm almost because they just hang with bated breath and wait for the, the Pentagon's next word on anything. You know, while we are all having podcasts and, and interviewing people that are getting discredited, they're desperately trying to get narrative officials on their shows. And I think to some degree, that's cool if you're going to ask some hard questions. But if you don't and you're just going to kind of be letting them run the story that they keep running on headline news, mm. then what's the point? Can't be afraid to challenge what's happening. You you can still be friendly, but you got to challenge what you're hearing. To a certain extent. To yeah, a certain man. Extent. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, this has been fantastic. And uh, before I let you go, you know, I saw you got a new um, logo for the Deep Share podcast. It kind of looks like this Russian doll sort of design. It's really cool. Uh, yeah. You want to tell us about uh, what's coming up in 2023 and uh, maybe if you want to share the thought process behind this new logo, we'd love to hear about that. Oh, the logo was um, was basically the idea that I've had since the, I started this podcast with a few people, constant conversations about fractal reality. Mm. And the Russian doll has always been one of my favorite metaphors for that. So I kind of just took different, you know, big points of my personality, I guess, and tried to make different Russian dolls out of it. But I had some help with it, too. So nice. Um, Yeah, that was cool. 2023, man, I'm just going to be trying to put out more conversations, um, more ranting as well, Um, because I love doing the interviews and I try to always have people on that say things whether they're other podcasters or authors or filmmakers or whatever, whoever it is, it's people that I really appreciate listening to and they give me a new perspective. Mm. But a lot of times after I've gotten a lot of that, I, I need to honor the idea that I need to like throw it all out of me and, and mm. like see how it processed in my head mm. and see how it comes back out Helps of you me. organize it all. back to the collective. Right. Mm. And uh, instead of honoring that, I'll just, you know, keep pushing on with more and more interviews. Mm. And eventually I kind of get burnt out and I, you know, I don't appreciate who I'm having on when I should, or I desperately want to just say, can you talk for an hour and I'll, <laughs> I'll get some questions along the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, I get this laziness. And um, so, yeah, I want to make sure to keep that balance this year and put out some great interviews and also just have my wife sit in with me and like pose a question to me and oh, let cool. me just go berserk for an hour off yeah, that one yeah. topic. You know, I think that might be fun, whether yeah. it comes off great or ridiculous. Eh, I think it'll be fun regardless. So yeah, that's what I got going on, man. Awesome, man. I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you're back in the in the podcasting game. And uh it's been it's been really fun as always. I appreciate you coming back on local Likewise, listens. man. And uh always hope, a good time. Yeah, man. It's gonna be an awesome year and uh hope hoping for the uh best with quote unquote disclosure, whatever happens, all we whatever can say happens. is that it's whatever we bring forth that will be 
what matters in the end. So I appreciate you, man. And I hope you have appreciate a fantastic you. day. You too, man. Thank you again for having me on. It's always a good time. You're a great thinker. You're a great interviewer. Appreciate your questions, man. I appreciate, appreciate your mind. You're always <laughs> thinking. So keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks, man. Likewise. Likewise. Adios. Peace out.